0: Heavenly Father, uh, would you help me to speak as clearly as I should, and would you help us to listen to what you would have us to hear, that we might become more like Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. I thought I'd share a little bit uh, about me, Uh, not because I particularly like talking uh, about me, but I, I think it does sort of set us up well. One of the things that I learned growing up about myself, because my parents would tell me this, particularly as I got older and a little more discerning, is that I was that kid growing up that wanted to do everything myself. I didn't want anybody's help, and that was my favorite line as a kid, my mom would say, is, I can do it. Like, leave me alone. I mean, is there anybody else who is the I can do it kid? Am I the only? Please, somebody else. There's a few. Thank you. At least there's a couple other people who can commiserate with me. I, I did that like all my life, no matter what it was. Homework, I don't need your help. I can do it by myself. I, you mean, no, I can do it by myself. Whatever it was, and I drove my dad crazy because my dad was an engineer, and of course directions and collaboration, that's what he lived in that world, and so we'd get something, and if it was a toy or whatever, I'm putting it together, not based on the directions. I'm putting it based together, on I, I'll figure it out. Like I can do it. I don't need anybody else to tell me how to do something. And that worked great for me for a number of years until I was in high school in a pre-calculus class. And, and math, frankly, was always pretty easy for me, and some of you know I got a math minor in college on accident because I took too many math classes, so that's I'm a math nerd, and so I get that. And so I'm in a pre-calculus class, and we're going to have a test the next day, and a lot of my friends in that class were like, oh, man, this is a big test, and I'm worried about this. Let's get together, and let's study, and we'll meet in the library, and you know, we'll all gather together, and we'll study, and we'll ch- challenge each other, and like, hey, John, you want to join us? Like, well, why would I want to go to library and study? Like, that seems like a a waste of time. No, I don't need. Yeah, I'll do it by myself. Like, I'll be fine. And and so I remember the next day going into the classroom, and I remember the piece of paper, and I can still feel it like it was yesterday, laying down on my desk and looking at this piece of paper and going, I don't have the foggiest idea what I'm supposed to do, and I'm like, oh, that's okay. I'll just figure it out, right? And so I'm frantically trying to figure it out. And then and, and some of you can relate to this, like you're, then you're looking at the clock on the wall and it's just ticking by and I'm looking at my blank paper. I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. And then the sweat begins to bead because you're like, man, I'm going to run out of time and I don't have anything on this paper. I don't know if I have any idea what I'm doing. That was a really dumb mistake. I really should have spent some time studying for this test. And I remember for the first time in my academic career at that point in high school thinking, maybe I should just cheat, Man, I was a rule follower as a kid. I'm not breaking any rules, but it was like I was thinking like maybe if I just look over, like I won't even look too much and I'll just glance that way and see. And I'm like, man, help. I'm just wanted to scream out, help me, because I was completely lost. And then finally, time is up, man. I failed that test miserably. The only test I've ever failed, and boy, that taught me a dramatic lesson in my life that transformed me. I yeah, man, we all need people around us. We, we all need community. We all need each other to walk along this path. We can't do it alone. And so I want to ask you this morning as we start, what's your story? What about you? Are you one of those fiercely independent, I don't need anybody, I can pick myself up by my own bootstraps kind of person? Or are you one that could give up and give a testimony, I've been through some difficult seasons and I've Frankly, so thankful that I had mentors in my life to encourage me and challenge me and point me in the right direction when I veered off the path. It's one of the purposes of this series that we're concluding today called The Path. And if you missed any of these, I want to encourage you to go on our Facebook page. You can go to our YouTube channel and look at any of these messages and encourage you to go back over four weeks because we started this idea with the path of saying it is your direction, not your intention that determines your destination. And I love that phrase because there's so many people that have great intentions. Man, I intended to do good on that test, but I I didn't study. So your direction was in a different, direction. your direction was gonna send you to a different place. Doesn't matter what you intended to do. What did you really do? Well, I, I intended to get out of debt. That's what I was intended to pay off all my debts but I'm spending like I'm in Congress. Well, that's your direction. (laughs) And that's a problem. And so that's your direction is gonna determine your destination, not your intention. I I intended to have a great marriage, but I haven't put any time into it and I haven't put any effort into it. And I I got up and I said, I will in front of my family and friends, um, but I didn't have the ability to keep that promise that I made and I haven't gotten any help along the way doesn't matter what you intend to do. And so at some point, no matter how passionate, how disciplined you are, you are going to fall off the path. None of us can follow Jesus completely. And so we know that, and because you're going to fall off that path, we need to have a course correction, and it's okay. All of us do that. None of us can get through life and follow Jesus completely and perfectly. And so what happens when you fall off that path? You... you, Ask God again for that grace which he gives so freely, and we get back on the path. But as we talked about last week, if you're just falling off the path and making the same mistake over and over and over, you need to take a look at your heart, because your heart matters, because your heart is going to determine the direction you're going in. And so today, what we want to take a look at is our proverb that we read just a moment ago around this idea of getting help along the way. So what I want to do with you is share with you the best decision that I have made in my life um, to this date. And there it is. Uh, Ten years ago next month, uh, we celebrate our 10th anniversary. That was the best decision um, I've made. And I know some of you are like, well, wait a minute, isn't following Jesus the best decision you made? Well, I didn't decide to follow Jesus. Jesus followed me and got a hold of me. So I don't really say I follow Jesus. He followed me and got a hold of me. So that really is the best decision I ever made. But I didn't make that decision alone. My wife would say that um, she knew we were going to get married uh, very early in our dating uh, courtship. Um, I I sort of knew that too, but I wasn't that confident. (laughs) And so what she doesn't know or didn't know at the time is we'd go out and hang out with uh, my friends. And so we'd go out and have a good time. But what she doesn't know is the next morning I would call up my friend, hey, what did you think? What do you think about her? What do you think? Do you think we're a good fit? Is it a good match? And and what, more importantly, does your wife think? Tell me what she thinks uh, about Margaret and give me some feedback on that. And so i do that to countless friends. And then at one point, there was one of our pastor's wives who was our principal at our school at that time, and she said, so are you dating anybody? I said, well, actually, I am. I'm dating uh, this girl. She's named Margaret. In fact, she's got a really cool last name. Her last name is Christmas. And she stopped for a moment. Her eyes got big. She goes, wait a minute. Is that Dr. Margaret Christmas? I'm like, yeah, how'd you know? You better wrap that one up, pal. All right. I'll take that as a check in the right direction. That's wonderful. So at some point you go home because that's what you want to do, right? And, and so you go home and I take her up to Michigan and to meet my family and, and, and do that. And, and at the end of that weekend, my sister pulls me aside and she goes, wow, John, this is a good one. And I know what she meant because she had seen me made some bad choices. And this is not a knock against the women. This is a knock against me not being real smart in, in terms of people that I choose. I really believe any relationship can work. It's a matter of how hard you're going to have to work at it. And so you should choose wisely. And, and I didn't uh, spend a lot of my life choosing wisely. That's one of the advantages of getting married a little older. You have a little bit more wisdom. And, and then the final straw was uh, a lady named June Schreiber has since gone to be with Jesus, one of those sweet women in the congregation, been there forever. And she used to make these peanut butter bars that we like to die for. Like I just lived for these things. Like you could make a meal out of these things, melt in your mouth, incredible. And, and at one point she called me and said, uh, I'm not making you any more peanut butter bars. I'm like, June, what did I do? Did I do something to offend you? Like, why why are you cutting me off? Like, you can't cut me off from your peanut butter. She goes, no, you're not getting any more peanut butter bars until there's a ring on her finger. I'm like, oh, okay. So we got engaged, and I called my family, and we called her uh, family, and then I called June Schreiber. (laughs) And I said, hey, June, uh, there's a ring on her finger, and to her credit, the next morning in my office, on my desk, were a pan of peanut butter bars at that point in time, so she kept true to her word. Now, why do I tell you that? I tell you that is because there is wisdom when you have multiple people speaking into your life, and I was not about to step into something as serious as marriage just on my own, because I had seen um, some of the mistakes I made when I did it on my own. (laughs) I was not going to do that again. And this is what our Proverbs for today speaks of. Take a look at um, Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail. Why do plans fail? For lack of counsel. That's one of the main reasons why plans fail. It's not because we didn't think them through. Uh, it's because we didn't ask other people around us. We got our mind focused on an idea, and we we're chasing after that thing. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors... Many, not one advisor, not your one broke brother-in-law who's got an opinion on finances, not one person, not two people, multiple, many advisors, then they will succeed. And imagine all of us would say today, I I would like to succeed. None of us got up this morning and said, you know what, I've got a goal today. I want to fail at three things before noon. That would be great. Let me just set myself up. Nobody wants to set themselves up for failure, but yet we do this when we don't live out this proverb. I mentioned last week at our confession time, one of my favorite uh, podcasts, it's New Life Live, and I love listening to Christian counselors, and they get right to the heart of the issue. And when I was putting this message together several weeks ago, I began to listen to that show with a different kind of ear. I wanted to hear if there was like a common thread throughout all of these calls that they have, and all of them are calling and going through difficult seasons of life and looking for some advice And what I heard over and over again is, do you have a good support group? No, I really don't have a good support group. Do you have a good church home that you're attending? No, I really don't have a good church home I'm attending. Do you have any people around you that are encouraging you? No, I really don't have that at all. And over and over again, I heard that same thing, people living isolated lives. And no wonder they've made bad decision after bad decision because they've got nobody speaking into their lives. And so we all need three different kind of people um, in our lives. We need people who are at where we're at in life. People that we can do life with. They're in the same season of life, in the same um, realm of life, moving in the same direction. We got people at where we're at. Then we also got people beyond where we're at. So we got some mentors that we're looking toward i love what pastor tim said uh, about his group that he's a part of he's got people that have been doing the blended family for a number of years and it's great to have people that can encourage you and mentor you that have gone through what you're going through so you got people um, at where you're at beyond where you're at and before where you're at in other words you're mentoring some other people I think this one is so vitally important because if it's just about hanging around with people at where you're at and beyond where you're at, it really is all about you. But when you intentionally take a step back and go, I want to find some people that I'm a few steps ahead of, and let me come alongside them and mentor them and encourage them along the way. One of the things they do for pastors uh, before we uh, they turn us loose on the church is they give us an internship year. They call it vicarage. It's your third year in the seminary, and I had an incredible experience at the University of Florida in Gainesville at a beautiful church, First Lutheran Church in Gainesville. Had a wonderful pastor to work with. Great experience. I think mean, it was vicar number thirty-four, so they had a long tradition of vicars uh, who were there. And so, grace-filled congregation. They were so uh, welcoming, so forgiving, so encouraging along the way. And so I go back for my fourth year at the seminary, and I'm sort of excited now. I'm passionate about ministry, and I can't wait to just God to unleash uh, me on the world and upon his church. And, and I went back, and a lot of my friends weren't there. And I just began to call some of these friends that I hadn't seen in a while, and like, hey, what happened? Like, oh, I'm, I, I'm getting out. I don't want to do ministry. I'm like, what happened? And almost to a T, every one of them said, I had such a horrible experience in my internship at in my vicarage. It was such a dysfunctional church. There was so much gossip and slander going on. I just looked at that and said, I, could, I, could, I can't do this for a year, let alone for the rest of my life. And said, I'm, qu- I'm going to find something else to do. And, and so from that moment, God sort of placed something in my spirit. And I, I just want to like, put a little seed maybe in your mind. If you're a part of St. John, um, I really do hope and pray. This is one of those prayers I've been praying for 25 years, that, that God would give uh, me an opportunity um, to be able to plant seeds in younger people who want to go into full time ministry, whether pastors, DCE interns, people who want to go into full time church work, that, that we would be that kind of church. They'd say we're we're gonna invest in, in you. And we're going to be, because this is a good church, this is a healthy church, this is a great place to be, and a great place for people to learn, and then go off, and send them off. Man, go, and have a great time serving God wherever he leads you to go. I really do hope that can be us at some point, because I think it's so important for us to have people before uh, where we're at, that we're encouraging and mentoring. We're going to have that kind of people in our lives. Um, We have to be uh, those kind of people that those kind of people want to hang around, and so another way of saying this is what kind of posture should you have? And I want to give you quickly three things, three postures that I want you to have. The first one is a posture of humility. A posture of humility. It says, I, I'm, I haven't learned everything. There's still things for me to learn. Nobody likes to hang around and know it all. And so if you can have a posture of, I, I still need to learn. I, I, I love C.S. Lewis. He has a wonderful definition of humility, if you haven't heard this before. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And I love that definition because a lot of us have a feeling that humility is like, oh, yeah, woe is me. I'm terrible. I'm no good at this. That's not humility. It's not at least biblical humility. In fact, do you know who the most humble person was in the Bible? Well, Jesus would be a good answer. Jesus was very humble, but a man, so, and Jesus was a man. You got me on a technicality, Omar. We're going to get a, Get over that one. The answer is not Jesus. The second one would be, well, let's take a look at Scripture see what it says. Numbers. Now, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. I remember thinking about that. Well, why, why did that make it? Like, God, why, why did God preserve that word for so long? Because he wanted us to see this is the way to live. And if you read through Moses' story, this is true. God, I can't do this, God. I can't lead, lead, lead this rebellious group. I, I can't do it. God says, I know you can't. I'm going to be with you. I, I, don't, I can't speak. I know. Don't worry. I'm going to give you the words. I, I, I don't have the, I know. I'm going to be with you. And Moses w- was humble. And boy, Moses was strong. I mean, you look at a strong leader. Moses was a strong leader. But his strength came out of the Humility which is exactly what our proverb said. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 33. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. That until we get this right, we're not going to walk the path right until we understand this is the way we are to live. We're to live in humility. That's the way we're to be. So, with the prophet Isaiah, and I love that, woe is me. What do you mean, woe is me? Isaiah, you're a great prophet of God. Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, because he had seen the glory of God. John, he gets taken up into heaven in the book of Revelation. He falls down like he's dead because of the glory of God. Why? Because he understood in humility, I understand, God, who you are and and me. Who am I in the midst compared to you? That's how we should live our our lives in humility. Second one is we should be a, a learner. Just a lifelong learner. And I tell you, nobody modeled this better than my grandmother did. And some of you have heard the story before. She used to call me when I was at the seminary. And this is way before cell phone days. That was long distance. You had to pay for this. And my grandma didn't have a lot of money living on a little pension that she lived on. But she would call me and ask me questions about, hey, well, what do you think about this verse in scripture? And, and I, after a while, I sort of caught on to this because these are weekly phone calls. I'm like, Grandma, you know more about the Bible than I'll ever know. <laughs> like You memorize more things than I'll probably ever memorize in my life. Why, why do you keep asking me questions? She goes, I know what I think, but I think that you can always learn from somebody else and what God is teaching them. And so I just, I really like hearing what you have to say. And my grandma was such a saintly woman. I, like, I've often said, I don't think I could convict her of a sin. If God said, well, can you convict her of anything she's done wrong? I'm like, she would like, love Jesus and love people in a way that I'll never uh, imagine. But what she taught me there was just so brilliant. I've wanted to live my life that way all of the time, being a lifelong learner. It's one of the things, the, the reason we have uh, the Connected Home Center uh, out there. And some of you have been through that, but for those of you who have not, man, Roxanne has done such a phenomenal job of putting all of this together. And in there, you've got uh, all these different connected home pointers. And they're all for every different kind of season of life. If you're an empty nest, if you're expecting kids, you're ready to get married, I picked up one this morning on single parent. Because um, single parents are just in my heart because as my wife traveled for business and was gone and, uh, you know, I had Bella by myself for, you know, a week, all I could think of is I can't imagine having to do this for 52 weeks out of a year. And so I began to pray for single parents on a regular basis. So if you're a single parent, how how do I raise children alone, and how can I instill faith in the home? Boy, pick up this packet. There's one for every stage of life, and they're great information. Pick that up. And then next to those are idea cards, just ways that you can take faith and instill that in the home. And this one is for family time with kids, just some great ideas. And You're like, oh, I picked one of those up once. They change. They're regularly um, new things and updated all the time. So go in there and check that out. And then last week, we launched Faith Path, which has little packets for every different milestone along the way. So if you have kids or grandkids or just kids you like, you can pick up a packet and help them develop faith in your home. Because if the only time faith is being developed in your life, if the only time you're connecting with Jesus is through a 25-minute sermon on Sunday morning, um, you're not going to be connected with Jesus. Now, if you're like, well, I got a small group too. Well, that's great. I'm glad you're in a small group. But if you're only connecting with Jesus through a message and a small group, you're not gonna be connected the way Jesus wants you to be connected. But man, when well, you're connecting at home, hence our Connected Home Center. So I wanna encourage you right outside the lobby, to the left, just browse through there. There is some great, great information here to have a spirit of I wanna continue to learn. Because this is what Isaiah wanted to do. And I love the way he left this for us in Isaiah chapter 50. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue. In other words, God who has taught me, Isaiah says, to know the word that sustains the weary. I imagine there's some weary people here this morning. Man, you need that word. I need to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, Isaiah says. He wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. And what a great gift of God. What a great prayer to say as you wake up. God, would you just tune my ear? Would you waken my ear to listen like one being instructed? For the sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious, and I have not turned away. So being a learner. The last one I want to talk about is being a responder. My heart aches for, for people. I know God is speaking too. And like, oh, wow, God was speaking to me. And then it just sort of goes away. Oh, God was speaking to me. This is great. And, and then you walk away and nothing ever changes. Take a look at Proverbs 15, 31. Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Whoever heeds life Giving correction. Or it's heeds it, not just hears it, heeds it, does something with it, turns. Whoever does that is at home among the wise. Life giving correction. There's a lot of people who like to give correction. Some people just really enjoy giving people and putting people down. I remember hearing Rick Warren years and years ago using the phrase, hurting people hurt people. That's what hurting people do. That's what bullies do. I'm gonna put you down so I can feel a little bit better about myself. That's not life-giving correction. We're not talking about that. Life-giving correction is people who are invested in your life and people wanna come alongside because they they see something and they see an opportunity for you to be a little bit more like Jesus. That is life-giving correction. And so we wanna be in tune with that. We wanna heed that. We wanna do something with that. Let me share with you one more Proverbs, Proverbs one twenty three, repent at my rebuke. Here's the step that most of us will we'll hear it, and we don't do anything with it. God says, no, repent. If God is stirred in your heart, when we have a confession time and God is speaking something to you, don't just listen to that and, and let it go in one ear and out the other. God says, repent at my rebuke, because then what's going to happen? Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I'll pour out my thoughts to you. And I wondered as I was reading that, we put the whole series together, and I went through the whole book of Proverbs and and just landed on chapter 1, verse 23. I'll pour out my thoughts to you. God, how many thoughts have I missed because I didn't repent? How many of your thoughts that you wanted to pour out into my life have I missed because I didn't take the last one you gave me and turn my life? Because then... I will make known to you my teachings. Who doesn't want, as you walk along life, as you walk along the path, who doesn't want God's thoughts? Who doesn't want God's teaching as you walk along the path? I think the reason we don't have that a lot is because we haven't repented. Then I got stuck on that word pour out. That was a beautiful phrase. And that I'm, I'm so glad we have a God who pours himself out. I mean, he created the world. And he says it was good. It was very good after he created mankind. He said, I want you to rule the earth. Here it is. You're in charge. And in a heartbeat, it's destroyed. And it's chaos again. And instead of God just destroying them, which he had every right to do, God says, no, I'm going to redeem this world. And then he raises up Abraham. He said, out of you is going to come a line. And you are going to be my representatives to the world. And I'm going to save the world through your line. And time and time again, they rebel. And they go off and do their own thing. And instead of God being done with them, he says, I'm going to come. I'm going to come in the flesh. I'm going to become a man. I'm going to live a perfect life that you couldn't live. And I'm going to pour out all of the wrath of God that was supposed to be for you on me. So you never have to experience it. And I'm gonna die on a cross. I'm gonna give up my life. Nobody takes it from me. I'm laying down my life because I love you. And I want you to be with me. I want to be connected with you. And you can't connect yourself to God. You can't be good enough to connect yourself to God. It's only through Jesus that we can be connected with God. And God says, I provided a way. It is a free gift. I have poured out myself to you. And so what is our response to that? Oh, thanks Or is it man, Thank you Jesus For the grace of God That I didn't deserve in my life Thank you for pouring yourself out for me How can I live in response To your goodness and mercy That I didn't deserve Follow me Jesus says Alright I'll follow you on that path What about when I, when I veer off We'll do a course correction What about when my heart becomes hard When I get caught in a sin, what will deal with your heart? And I'm going to put some people around you that can help you along that path. This is what God wants to do. God wants to transform the way we live. That's why we're doing grilling groups, by the way. We don't do that just because we like food. We like food here, by the way. We love food. (laughs) But it's more than food. It's getting people in relationships because the more people that that you know, that know Jesus, Jesus will rub off on you and you'll become more like Jesus as you get in community. Discipleship, becoming more like Jesus happens best in the context of relationships. And we want to make it hard for people to not have relationships here at St. John. We want every single person to be in relationships with other people. And so that's why we do grilling groups. That's why starting next week we're kicking off a new series. It's called Finding We in a World Made for Me. We live in a narcissistic kind of world that it's all about me And so how can we, as followers of Jesus, live in a we world? How can we live in a we kind of way that represents Jesus to the world? Our faith is never meant to be done alone. It's meant to be done in community with other people. And so how can we intentionally do that? I want to invite you to be back over these next three weeks. It's going to be a great, uh, great series.